Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. He was God in the flesh. And as he walked, he said to his disciples and people around him, if you want to know what God looks like, look at me, because I am God. And he is the wisdom of God walking for those three years with the disciples. That walking, that closeness, that relationship was a role model for you. Our God is not aloof. And you know that when you get saved, the Holy Spirit actually God, the third person of the Trinity, comes to live in us. There's been a battle for your mind and soul since before you were born. This pre-existing war has been between the creator of the universe and one of his wayward creations. The problem for you, as Pastor Mark will be teaching today, is that you're born into and surrounded by the world system that the devil has devised working through the people he controls. You'll hear about how God, through Jesus, broke into the devil's system of thinking and living, offering mankind an option to move from death to life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 with today's edition of Lessons for Living. First Corinthians chapter two is where we're at. As you know, Linda and I just got back from a little time away, some ministry. Much of the time I just spent thinking about what God wants to do. And then we had a, a wonderful cruise over in the Mediterranean. The difficulty was in the 12 days that we were on the cruise, we had 11 different ports that we went to. And so the language is, you never knew what was happening the next day with the language. We couldn't communicate with them anyway, but it was a different language. And a number of, we got into Rome one day, we got in fine by train, we couldn't find a way home. We weren't the other ones. We had other people from the boat says, I can't, nobody can tell us what train is there and where nobody speaks the language and I don't know, we can't help you. We went to two different train stations. Eventually God came through, but we needed a translator. We needed somebody. I was trying to take Aldo with me and Peggy, but they didn't want to go to Italy. Well, they did, but they didn't. We needed translated. We needed somebody. And finally, somebody came up that could speak English and Italian, and we got back to the boat. That's why I'm here. Praise God. Um, now you're going to see that the world, the unsaved world needs a translator. They do not understand the things of God. The wisdom of God bypasses them. And we'll see why that is. And that's why you and I have to be that translator for them. We have to put it in words that they can understand. And we'll see that because they need God's direction just as much as you need 
God's direction. Now, we begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Paul says this, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Now, Paul isn't downing wisdom. He's just trying to say the wisdom that we want needs to be from God. So he's contrasting the wisdom of the world, which is simply man's wisdom, and the wisdom of God. Now, early on in this study, you already learned this truth, 1 Corinthians 1.25. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. So this metaphor of maturity. Notice Paul says, we do speak wisdom to those that are mature. He's talking about believers. In chapter 3, we'll see there, Paul says, many of you would like to speak words of wisdom to you, but you're immature. Actually, you're babies. I, I can't speak it to you. So this metaphor of maturity simply relates to some words that Paul would speak later on in 1 Corinthians. We'll get there in chapter 13. And he says this, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I was a man, I put away childish things behind me. So understand Paul's message to this church was a message of rebuke and of correcting words. He wasn't angry. He was hurt. He was frustrated because he had spent 18 months teaching these people. And what he was saying to them, you're seeking wisdom outside of God and his word. Because of that, they were being squeezed into exactly what Satan wants to do to you and I. Get us to think about the world and the way it thinks. Remember now, as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. So Paul's goal in this part of the passage was to get them back on track So they could understand God's wisdom. It was available for them. And wisdom is no good unless applied. Really, wisdom is knowledge applied. And he's trying to get them back to that point. Now, Paul says that the mature believers understood the truth, but the rulers of the world do not understand truth. Satan loves to promote the wisdom of man. We see that all the time. Apologetics, all these people. They get on and they talk about all these things. If you read the article that was in Sunday's newspaper about the new number one book, about a Muslim who is telling us what Christ is like and how Christ lives, and he puts all kinds of wrong things. And of course, you know that I had that interview. Well, the wisdom of man comes out through that whole article. It isn't the wisdom of man. The wisdom of this world is simply in rebellion to God. If you look at that article, you can see that totally. He lies to people, says that man doesn't need God and doesn't need man's wisdom. We can kind of do it ourselves. Where do we see that so prevalent? And that's another reason for our emphasis on children, youth, and the 20 to 30-something. Where do we see that? Universities. 
If our young people are not grounded in the truth of the word, when they get to the universities, those universities absolutely bombard Christianity. And it's always from a head knowledge. It's never anything that's spiritual. It's always from this wisdom of man. And they teach that man is smarter than God and simply don't need God to do life right. But the Bible tells us exactly the opposite. Remember this verse, Jeremiah 10, 23? I know, Lord, Jeremiah says that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. So God is necessary in my life. You know that. I know that. It makes common sense to us because we're believers. It doesn't make any common sense to uh, unbelievers at all. Now, that's why for you and I, though, We have to understand that God said this. Turn with me to James chapter 1, if you will, for a moment, just for a moment. The Bible says that I can't do life on my own. And that means every single day I need God's wisdom, his understanding, his outlook on the way things are. Remember, we did a series a long time ago. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes... Are on you. Well, this is what James says. Look at James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, anybody in this room lack wisdom? Could I see your hand? Absolutely. If any of you lack wisdom, notice the solution. He, she, should ask God. Here comes a word I like. Who gives generously. Well, Pastor Mark, I asked God three days ago about this. I don't really want to bother him again. No, he wants to be bothered. Who gives generously to only the elders. I'm sorry. I was going to say only to the men, but I have to sleep with my wife tonight, so I'd have trouble. No, he gives generously to who? Does that include you? Yes, it does. Without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Notice this verse doesn't say, if we need wisdom, we're to ask man. No, we're to ask God, the all-knowing God. Now, I'm going to stop right here because some of you came, and you need to answer this question. Do you need wisdom? Is there a situation? You came, you didn't know what this was going to be about, But then I just want to say this. You be wise enough. You simply be wise enough to ask God. When you get home tomorrow morning in your quiet time, God, spell it out. I need wisdom. I can't do life without you. Man was never meant to do life without God. So the God that we serve says, please come and ask. Because it's a personal God. It's not a religion. Now remember, we're very different. When Jesus came and he walked this earth, he was God in the flesh. And as he walked, he said to his disciples and people around him, if you want to know what God looks like, look at me. Because I am God. And he is the wisdom of God walking for those three years with the disciples. That walking, that closeness, that relationship was a role model for you. Our God is not aloof. And you know that when you get saved, the Holy Spirit, actually God, the third person of the Trinity, comes to live in us so that we can have this wisdom. So if you need that, just ask for it. Now let's go back 
to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, look what Paul continues. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, watch this, who are coming to nothing. What in the world does that mean? Man's wisdom is coming to nothing. All you have to do is look around us. And I don't mean this in a political sense at all. You look around us and man's wisdom is basically coming to what? To nothing. We just watched our president say, well, I'm canceling the time with Putin. We don't know what to do in Syria. We don't know what to do with the tax problem we have here. We don't know what to do with our Congress that can't seem to get along. Man's wisdom, has it solved a lot? Not really. It's making it more difficult as we move along. And in the end, all of man's wisdom will come to nothing. Because it's not based on the spiritual. Remember who you are. Your body, soul, and spirit. You and I are going to live somewhere forever. Either with God in heaven, because of Jesus, or separated from God. Now, God's wisdom. What is God's wisdom? How, if I'm a parent, what do I teach my children, our grandchildren? What is God's wisdom? Would you please write this down? This will help you understand how God thinks. See, God's wisdom is not from man's viewpoint. God's wisdom... It's from God's viewpoint. So what is it? It's see life as God sees it. Eternal perspective. We're going to live somewhere forever. This is ju- we're just traveling through here on this earth. We're just traveling through. People more valuable than things. That's the wisdom of God. People more valuable than things. Three things that we talk about in priority of life. Let's see if you remember them. What are the three things that should circle our life? What are the three things? God, people, and, and the use of our time. See, our time here is limited because we're human. Eternity is unlimited. So God's viewpoint is don't get too concerned with what you're doing down there because you're going to live 70, 75, 80, 90, maybe you know, a few. We have one or two people 100 years old. But pretty soon, we're gone. So that's God's wisdom. The way the world looks at things is basically just here. Never thinks about when you die. Never thinks at all about what you die. It it just focuses on here. And worldly wisdom, basically, because we're all selfish, worldly wisdom really focuses on who? Me. How does it affect me? If you have a baby, what's that baby all about? You know what that baby's all about. All about what? The baby. And guess who runs to the baby? Hello, parent. Any of you losing sleep? Anybody have a young baby? Let me see your hand. Can't raise it, right? You just... Well, that's what the world looks at. It's just take care of me. Take care of me. Now, what is the application of that? I want you to write this down. Next thing to write down is this. Applying God's word to our everyday decision is called wisdom. Many Christians make the mistake of having knowledge. Knowledge is great, but the knowledge has to be applied. Psalm 119 says this, Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant God. Your commands, the word of God, 
the Bible. It's my constant guide. I go on. Take a look. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers. Now, if you're a student, don't tell your teacher that. That's not what it's talking about. Relax. Notice, I'm always thinking of your laws. I'm always thinking of the Word of God. Let the meditations of my heart. It's just on my thought, as Joshua told us. And verse 100, I'm even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. Basically, what he's speaking about is age isn't a key of wisdom. It's applying the word of God. That's the key to wisdom. You can have a lot of people that have been very old, lots of wisdom, excuse me, lots of knowledge, but very little wisdom. Never apply it. No, applying the wisdom is the key. Now, as you see all of this happening, let's go on to verse 7. No, Paul says, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Paul says that true wisdom is seen in one thing, God's plan to send his son to the earth to provide man's salvation. You see, you and I would have never come up with a plan for man's salvation as God did. Who could have understood that God would send his only son as a man, still God, but as a man to this earth, to offer salvation to the Jews and to all the Gentiles? None of us. Now, what Paul's talking about is this. God's wisdom is seen in the gospel. If you want to take a picture of God's wisdom, take a look at the gospel. Now, the gospel is what? It's simply that man is a sinner. Man is born a sinner. Man can never be good enough. Christianity, as far as I know, is the only, quote, religion out of all. And, you know, we go to India, we go to all China, we go to all kinds of places. It's the only religion that can guarantee you that if you ask Christ to forgive you of your sins and receive it by faith, that you have the guarantee of heaven. That's why 1 John, what's it about? Know that you know that you know. No other world religion, people when they die, they have no assurance of where they're going. They're hoping they're going somewhere. We need to know. And so that's the gospel. That's why God so loved the world that he sent his only son into the world that you and I could be saved. That's the wisdom of God. His plan was amazing. Now, his plan cost him. It cost him his son. He could have done a million other things, but he chose to make it personal. He sent his son here who lived a perfect life, and he died for our sins. See, our world thinks, Christianity and every other world religion, our world thinks that you can be good enough to earn your way to heaven. But the Bible says, absolutely not. There's no way for man to get rid of his sin by being good enough. So, a mystery in the Bible that you see here in verse 7, a mystery is a sacred secret. It's a truth that was kind of hidden, but has been revealed now. When Jesus came, he spoke about that he was going to die for the sins of the world. Actually, it was prophesied. You remember when the angels were coming down to the shepherds on the night that Jesus was born. Remember what they said? A savior has been born to you. And finally, the shepherds said, let's go see. 
So it was something that had been talked about, but most people didn't understand it in that time. Now look at verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. What is Paul talking about? The mystery of the gospel bypasses the mind, the human mind, the human mind of carnal man. Pilate and Herod never understood, they simply never understood God's plan. They didn't understand God's wisdom. For sure, they didn't understand that God's son would be on a cross. Never. It didn't make any sense to them. If either the Jewish religious leaders or the Roman government would have understood this plan, they would have never crucified Jesus. But they didn't understand it. Why? Because it's the wisdom of God and its foolishness to man. And so that's why it bypassed them. And by the way, still bypasses people today. The Jews are looking for a sign. Without God, it's full of, what do you mean I can't be good enough? What are you, you're crazy. I can be a good person. Sure, you can be a good person, but not good enough to get rid of your sin. Now, when you understand this, remember what Jesus said on the cross as he was finishing. Father, forgive them. See if you can remember. For they know not what they do. Paul says, they didn't understand the plan of God. Isn't it amazing to you that after spending three years with his disciples, they didn't get it? Does that make you feel better? Makes me feel better. I'm still learning. But the disciples, once the resurrection came and Jesus appeared to them, the light came on. Today, we take it, obviously, by faith. Now look at verse 9. However, as it is written... What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Now, Paul is wise. You know why I can tell you he's wise? Because he quotes the Bible. He quotes Isaiah 64, 4, and Isaiah 65, 17. These references that Paul is using point back to God's plans are beyond the natural perception of mankind to understand and receive. Often... If you've been in church a lot of your life, this is one of the most misinterpreted verses of the whole Bible. They think this verse is speaking about how amazing heaven is going to be. It's way beyond our comprehension. By the way, that is true. But that's not at all what this verse is talking about. This verse, and I want you to get excited about this. This verse, the real meaning of this verse refers to God's wisdom that's available to every single believer today. Okay, you missed that. Let's go back again now. Paul says it hasn't come into our mind what God has planned for us. It hasn't come into our mind. And we're going, yeah, I can't wait till they get to. No, it hasn't come into your mind what God has planned for you today and tomorrow until you get to heaven. That's amazing. Look at what he's done. He's not finished with us. Look what's coming. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark talked about how being a Christ follower is kind of like being a translator of God to the non-believer. He told you about the importance of knowing what it is you actually believe so that you can give people God's truth in your words. You also learned that this requires a wisdom that you 
can't find in your own mind or experiences. It has to come from God. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching in 1 Corinthians 2. You'll hear about the Apostle Paul, who was a man just like any other man, but given an emotional lift by God leading other Christians to him. You'll be reminded that no matter who you are or your stature in life, you'll need some help at times. And someone might need your help, too. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a herd